Hello, and welcome to Crypto Cafe with Randy Zuckerberg. I'm Randy, where we embrace newcomers and experts alike to all things crypto, NFTs, AI, metaverse, and all the latest in disruptive and innovative technology. I am thrilled to bring you an incredible special guest on today's episode, focusing on the importance of open tech in artificial intelligence. Uh, after the episode, if you want to get more on this topic, uh, definitely head to thehug.xyz to check out everything we've been writing there. But until then, I am so excited to introduce Motez Bashara, Director of Communications at Stability AI, journalist, features writer for CNN, ESPN, Guardian, author of a billion books. Uh, we This is a real expert on this topic. Motez, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Um, you have a really fantastic and very unique journey. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your career background and what um, you know what excited you about AI. Oh, okay. So AI came into my career very recently in the last year, and I've had a pretty long career. Um, so. Let's we could start uh, from the beginning and I could kind of try and fast forward through um, some of the bullets here. So uh, many moons ago, I went to Boston University and I studied uh, mathematics and computer science. Now, that was back in the day when email was a thing that people just pinged between each other in, in universities. It wasn't like you could email your mom or anything like that. Uh, writing code was absolutely just dreadful. It was the most tedious thing in the world. It was um, very painful. There was, there was. It, this is even like pre-Windows. Um, so th the moment I, I graduated uh, with that degree, I decided I wanted to do something else. And uh, I got an MBA at Tulane University. I'm representing the green wave today with my T-shirt. Um, and then I worked in finance for many years, uh, and I was a professional stock investor on an institutional level, and I invested in a lot of new media companies. I witnessed the whole dot-com boom, the huge mergers of the day, like AOL, Time Warner, you know, I'm old enough to remember that. <laughs> Uh, a lot of huge companies that sort of don't exist in their in the same iteration or at all anymore, like Lucent Technologies, you know, Sun Microsystems, Cisco Systems isn't one you really hear about as much anymore. You know, these were massive behemoths in the internet space that sort of aren't really around the same way they they used to be. Mm. Um, even Oracle isn't really what it used to be in the same sort of realm. Um, moving moving ahead, um, after the better part of two decades in that space, I had an itch to do stuff in media. I've always been a writer, a storyteller, somebody who is very, very interested in media and journalism. And uh, I had been freelancing in journalism for quite a while. I got an MA in international journalism here in London. And um, I decided to go at it full time. Uh, I wrote a book about sports ticketing. Oh, a little plug for my first book, Beating the NBA. 
and that was back in 2013. After that, I freelanced kind of like as a permalancer role at CNN for pretty much five years solid. I also worked, as you said, for ESPN, The Guardian, Al Jazeera, and a number of others. Super interesting, fascinating role. I think my favorite place to work is in a buzzy newsroom. Um, there's nothing like it, really. Um, then the pandemic hit. I had the opportunity to work on a couple of other book projects that had been up my sleeve. Uh, my most recent release, Athletes Who Rock, uh, Achieving... Oh, no, we changed the subtitle last minute. Stories <laughs> of Sacrifice, Setbacks, and Success in Sports, Music, and Life. It's interviews with interview profiles with 15 exceptional very top level athlete musicians um and what interested me most about that is i've kind of been a recreational amateur musician and athlete my whole life and to do both of those at a very high professional level was something i i thought was incredibly interesting and commendable so i go into the science of it and the background of it um and then I had a family and I decided it was time to get back into the workspace. And I had a marvelous opportunity to get into AI. And it was such a fast moving, fascinating space that combined all my backgrounds in computer science and technology, in investment marketplace know-how, in journalism and writing. So I am a director of communications at Stability. I work with an amazing team in communications and uh, with the broader team at large at Stability. Exciting. I uh, So I'd love to kind of hear um, about your the intersection between kind of your passion for sports and uh, and work in technology. I, I'm curious, is there is there a sport that currently has your heart and interest right now? And uh, what are you doing there? By, by way of living in London for so long, I am a big Premier League soccer fan. Uh, I'm an Arsenal season ticket holder here. I sit in the front row. I was cheering on Arsenal against... Manu. Um, I'm also a very passionate NBA fan. I like American football, college football, NFL. So runs the gamut. I'm a big tennis nut as well. How AI can play a role in sports is is basically the same way AI is is changing the game in a lot of different areas. It's effectively by data analysis and doing massive compiling of data at tremendous speeds using a lot of resources that had not been available until recently. Mm. So, you know, it can spit out information uh, on the movements of players, on analysis of opponents. It can make things a lot faster, a lot more efficient, and probably a lot more effective uh, when teams want to do their homework on other teams and just and, and and how to use their own players more effectively. 
I, for anyone who's not uh, totally familiar with Stability AI and what you're building there, uh, maybe you can give us the kind of the quick elevator pitch and, and tell us about some of your models. Sure. Uh, Stability AI is probably most famous for Stable Diffusion as a model. Uh, Stable Diffusion is the leading open source text to image model, uh, meaning you can type in descriptions of what you want to see outputted in image form. Uh, for instance, uh, an image of a dancer uh, doing uh, the splits on a beach uh, somewhere tropical with a sunset in the background. Uh, and it can give you different outputs and different iterations of that and, and generate ideas that you probably didn't have in your own mind, and then you could see where that that will take you. Um, that is one of the nicest things about working uh, with AI models, is that they're able to kind of present you sometimes out of the box ideas that you wouldn't necessarily have on your own. And that can spur you to think about other avenues in which you want to pursue your projects. Uh, so that's our most famous model, Stable Diffusion, is one imaging model. The latest imaging model in Stable Diffusion is Stable Diffusion SDXL, as we like to call it. SDXL 1.0, I think, is the, the latest release. It's incredibly powerful. I urge everybody to try it. Uh, we have a website called ClipDrop. I think it's just clipdrop.ai or .com. Putting myself on the spot here. <laughs> if you just Google ClipDrop, um, SDXL, it'll come out and you can you can start trying out for free without any payment or login. Mm. Um, another model we have is called Deep Floyd IF. Um, it, it's, it's a very interesting model in that it was named Deep Floyd after my dog Floyd, who's resting back there. Uh, I brought him to a, a company barbecue very early on. And one of our researchers, um, who's actually from Ukraine, uh, loved Floyd, loved, he loves the band Pink Floyd, and he's like, that's a cool name for the model we're working on. And next thing I know, Floyd's famous. The road, there you go, Floyd's famous, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I've, I've played around with, with making images of Floyd on Deep Floyd, which is super cool. And Deep Floyd excels in fine-tuning uh, letters and and words and sentences within the structure of your images. So if you want uh, if you want to design a car and you want to have something written on the side of it or a billboard or or any anything really uh, coffee mug uh, that is probably the best imaging model out there for that kind of artwork. Very exciting. Now, and I, I saw that Stability AI was selected as one of Time's top 100 most influential companies. I mean, there's been such an explosion of AI companies. Why do you think uh, Stability AI has really stood out in the crowd? Well, let's pinpoint it. Let's drill it down because we got um, we got the award as one of the disruptors of the year, uh, along with our friends at OpenAI. So um, the reason why is probably because of our mass, uh, the, the mass scale of pickup of stable diffusion around the world. I think every single day, it's something like 
I don't know, several hundred thousand images are created using stable diffusion. I think the number of total images exceeds something like 200 million. Wow. Uh, yeah, in the, in, oh, since, since inception about a year ago, we're, we're actually at the one year mark of our uh, collaborative release of stable diffusion. I must stress it, is, it was a collaborative release along with researchers at um, LMU University in Munich, three of whom we, uh, we have on our team today. Uh, and Runway ML. Um, so it, it was a collaborative release in which uh, we did our part, we pushed it out there, and then we've, we've, we've pushed the boat out a lot further since then in the last 11 months or so. Um, I forget the question now. Oh yeah, why, <laughs> why were we the disruptors? Uh, you touched on it earlier. We are open, which means uh, a couple things. Uh, we're open in a sense that we share our code on uh, Hugging Face, meaning everybody can, uh, anyone around the world can download uh, on our code into their local drive. If they have a capable enough GPU, usually people use NVIDIA or AMD uh, local GPUs. Um, to to work on stable diffusion you if you have the capability you can tweak it to your own specifications uh and you can use it for free which is what we want to do we want to democratize ai and let anyone around the world be it in whatever economic situation you or your country or your community is in we want to open this up for everyone and not close this really important technology to only the the biggest companies and biggest economies in the world. So that's that's part of it. The other part of the equation is the way we compress the data and the way we've trained the data makes it available for anyone to download on their local hard drive if again if they have the GPU capability. No I I don't believe that there has been any technology this powerful available for individuals to use at home on their own um, devices. It's really exciting. I'm delighted to be here in the Crypto Cafe with our special guest, Motez Bashara, Director of Communications at Stability AI, journalist and author of three books. Uh, I'm your host, Randy Zuckerberg, and this is my favorite point in the show because we have a special mentorship segment where an emerging artist gets to ask uh, our guest a question. Uh, so I'm excited to introduce our special guest in just a moment. If you're listening and you're interested in asking a question and getting mentored live in the future, make sure you follow Hug on social media at thehug.xyz. I'm thrilled now to welcome Amina Kudryavtseva, uh, an incredible creative photographer who believes that art can transform and heal, giving life new meaning. Uh, Amina, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, hello, Randy. Hello, Motes. Nice to meet Hi. you. Wonderful to have you here. And uh, I, I know you have a question for Motes, so uh, definitely excited yes. to hear. Yes, Motes, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, what do you think, um, what is the best strategy for an emerging artist to get more visibility and recognition in the space? Sure. Uh, thanks for asking that. I was able to tap in to one of our uh, resident expert AI artists, so I got to give props. Uh, her name is Amelie. 
and I will share her her link uh, for you, Randy, so we could give Amelie some props. She's amazing. She does some really cool work. Terrific. My thoughts in particular is that there's an advantage to being a first mover as an AI artist in this really nascent space. And I would suggest establishing your own particular niche in the space as an AI artist. So, you know, be consistent in your work, have a consistent look, push it out there on Discord, on all other AI communities that you're interested in, and really push your art out, you know, try and do some uh, online exhibits in as much as you can. Go to your local communities and see if you have uh, galleries who want to help uh, push AI art. And maybe you could be the first AI artist in your local gallery. I'm not sure what country you're you're dialing in from, but perhaps it's a, it's a place where they're you know interested in the space and don't have a lot of people working in AI art. So that could be a cool kind of niche for you to find. Um, and Amelie says, um, being the first at a new process can, can propel people into the limelight and give them a boost. Um, but in the end, it's much as, as the same in, in any other space. Consistency is the key. Um, in the end, you need to be consistent in the space to make a name. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of networking and a lot of work outside of just creating your own art. And she says the social media aspect for her was the most important twitter instagram whatever your platform is of choice go on there and become consistently active in the community engage with artists and buyers while honing your craft um because uh some because artists need to be unique as well so you may want to start thinking about how to take your art to another level either massive storytelling blockchain interactions or multimodal approaches uh, but being immersed in the community is really the key to as as a good start. Mm. Such great advice. And uh, Amino, I, I think what I'm hearing, I'm hearing a lot of that there's big advantages to being a first mover and just getting your name out as a kind of one of the first uh, AI artists. And I'm hearing consistency, marketing yourself. I know that can be tough as a woman. It's hard to like you know, feel like you're shilling and marketing yourself, but it's so important. Um, Amina, where can we all go to check out your art and follow you? Oh, I guess on Twitter, which is X for now. <laughs> uh, my handle is, um, my uh, pseudonym uh, is uh, Armanda Bloom, and I'm actively posting on Twitter, which is X now. I'm posting my art there. Wonderful. And uh, can, I mean, your photography is, is truly beautiful and uh, really um, excited to, to see more of your work and your career develop. So thank you so much for joining us today. And what, what I would add is one of the super cool things about AI artists is that they all have these kind of personas that they create for themselves, different names, different characters. Most of them use some kind of cool emoji so it kind of takes out the cultural bias of, uh, of being an artist in my opinion nobody really knows where anyone's from nobody knows where everyone's doing this kind of cool stuff and it kind of really levels the playing field um where you know bricks and mortar kind of art you can look at the artwork behind me most people know that's probably a Damien Hirst and Damien Hirst probably had, you know, his own advantages, 
you know, working, living in the UK that somebody working in a different part of the world would not have, right? So this levels the playing field, hopefully, idealistically, it should do. So yeah, best of luck to you. Please share, tag us if you're using Stable Diffusion or one of our other models. And, you know, we'll support you just like we support so many artists out there in the community. Really wonderful to have you, Amina. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Uh, Motaz, I have a few more questions about um, openness in AI. You touched on it before when we were talking about um, time top 100 most influential companies, but maybe you can reiterate uh, some of the importance of, of AI technology being open um, and, and what that means for the future. Uh, sure. I mean, again, it, this, this boils down to us seeing ourselves as part of the AI community. We want to share things with our community. At the moment, we have a community of, I believe, 270,000 people on our Discord uh, and, and thousands of others you know, on other platforms, on, on, on social media. And we, we listen to our uh, engagers in, um, uh, and enthusiasts of our models, and we want to share with them. And we want to get their feedback and implement their feedback into our models. So this is part of our vision of democratizing AI uh, to inspire people around the world, inspire creativity, change education, and change accessibility for this kind of technology. That's And that's the main purpose of our openness in I, this space. I love it. How do you respond to, to people who who... Uh, want to engage you with with fears about AI or misconceptions about AI? How do you respond? Sure, um, I believe fears uh, about AI are widespread throughout AI, whether you're open or closed. In our case, uh, we open source, so we share. We we don't want to hide on, in in a black box. Uh, we believe that this technology should be shared because it's so powerful, and that is why we think when we implement our our models um, in in up in institu- external institutions, we are able for them to look inside the code and see how they want to implement it for themselves, not just simply entrust their data with us and us take it and do things with it, which you know they don't know the security behind the you know the, the other side of the wall. So in terms of the criticism, if you're talking about criticisms of AI fears in general, um, I totally understand it. I think one massive advantage in this cycle of technology that we're in is that people are addressing the fears very, very, very early on at a very nascent stage in this. So I would say we're probably in, in the sort of middle of the second inning of a nine-inning game of uh, of AI maturity, uh, we're somewhere in the sort of you know mid mid-ish 90s when it came to uh, the dot-com burst. You know, kind of the first iterations of the of the World Wide Web, if you remember. Uh, nobody was really talking about the fears and dangers back then, or certainly not much. You know, um, it didn't it didn't happen until. Ooh, I want to say 10, 15 years later, when people started getting spammed like crazy, people were phishing uh, for emails, 
trying, you know, sending all kinds of scams via emails. And then regulators got involved and started doing these anti-spam laws and things like that. Technology caught up. So right now, you know, spam is so limited compared to what it was, you know, in the sort of mid-2000s, if you remember. It was horrible. Um, so technology and regulation really lagged mm -hmm. like a full decade or more behind in, in the dot-com bubble. Now let's move on to social media. Social media regulation and internal regulation from social media companies was also, also very lagged. I mean, reporting has come out about what social media companies have known about the dangers of social media and what they chose not to disclose. And it's frightening, you know, quite, quite frankly. And I think everybody's learned lessons, you know, reg, reg, regular, um, government regulatory bodies have come in and put caps on social media use and, and transparency on social media in as much as they are able to, right? But the genie is very much out of the bottle. Um, look, at, look at all the scrutiny TikTok has gone through in the United States, and yet TikTok is still hugely, hugely uh, available, used, and people, people are worried about it. But the genie is pretty much out of the bottle there, right? And I'm not, I'm not trying to say TikTok is the worst of the lot or anything like that, but I'm using it as an example because they have been heavily scrutinized. Uh, right now, what we're seeing is, is regula regulators, governments are having discussions with us, the AI companies, at a very nascent stage to say, hey, we know this is a very powerful technology that can be used in ways in which we think might not be the most um, you know, transparent ways or the best ways they can be used by a minority of bad actors. We want to come in and clip their wings. What can we do about it? We are working closely with these uh, entities, be them government agencies, be it our AI community at large, other big AI com uh, companies like Adobe, for instance, leading uh, the uh, content authentication uh, CAI content authentication. Uh, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> oh. Initiative, initiative. That's what it is. We're members of the CAI. We're, we're working closely with Adobe and others on this. And Meta, Meta is a big part of this initiative as well. So, you know, it's it's good to see the community coming together. You know, in in some ways the fears are overblown. In other ways, the fears are justified. In in any case, you know, we have signed open letters, uh, and we've sent open letters to Congress. We've signed open letters with the AI community at large to say, we agree there should be oversight here. We want to be part of the discussion. Love it. Um, and finally, uh, in our final moments, I'm curious, uh, is there another book that you're working on? Are you using AI to write it? Uh, very curious about your create, personal creative uh, endeavors. I, I'm, I'm pretty old school. <laughs> you know, I don't really use AI in my work. Um, I've used, you know, I've, I've fiddled around with it, of course, just like everyone. I've used ChatGBT. I've used it to, you know, here and there uh, for certain things. But at the end of the day, I want to just like get my hands on it and write. And um, so far, I feel like I can do a better job, quite frankly, than OpenAI. But let's see, you know, down the road, things could change. Um, in addition to all this, you asked about my next book project. I'm actually working on a PhD as well in sports sociology. I've had to switch to part time just because of my workload and my family commitments. 
Um, I do not use any AI for it. I don't anticipating anticipate using AI for it. Uh, but um, who knows? You know, uh, it, it, things could change down the road. Maybe for research purposes, AI would be helpful in delivering bits of information that I need on certain niches that I'm looking at within my research. So that that could be helpful down the road. Very exciting. Um, where can people go, Motez, to connect with you and to learn more about everything that you're working on and doing? Sure. Uh, just like most people, I'm on Twitter, X, Twitter X, whatever <laughs> we want to call it nowadays. It's M-O-T-E-Z-B. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. Uh, my activity goes in peaks and ebbs, you know, depending on what I'm working on. Uh, for my books, Amazon is the best place. You've got Beating the NBA, you've got Athletes Who Rock, and another uh, investigative journalism piece called When the Sheikh Met the King. Please go out, check it out, send me feedback. You can also check out my website, martazbishara.com. It's got all my books, loads of features I've written over the years, and lots of other stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much for all of your time and insights today. Um, definitely a lot to think about with uh, the future of AI, creativity, openness. Um, and thank you for being at the forefront of all of that, Motez. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It was, it was uh, a great opportunity to talk about this technology and to hear from, from an AI artist who's interested in the space too, and, and to listen to people's thoughts about, about the industry. Absolutely. That was Motez Bashara, Director of Communications at Stability AI, journalist and author of three books, hopefully more, as you can see from uh, uh, all of the wisdom that we got today. I'm your host, Randy Zuckerberg. You've been with me in the Crypto Cafe, where we embrace newcomers and experts to all things disruptive and innovative in technology. Join us next week for an all new episode. And thanks so much for tuning in.